Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, it's happening again, people, and there doesn't seem to be anything that anybody can do to stop it. We have seen this movie before on multiple levels. The Clippers down 0-2 for the third straight series. The Clippers win Game 3 for the third straight series. Like the Jazz series, a uh, Game 6, Game 3 featured an enormous third quarter run, a series of three-pointers going in, the crowd just erupting, and it just felt like uh, you know water cascading across the boulders down the valley and just unstoppable force. You know, you can't stop it. And there's nothing to do to stop the Clippers. The Suns slowed it down, fought back a little bit. They gave up like a 25 to 8 run. Uh, they got down by double digits. They didn't quite get to 20, but it got big. And then they rallied and they cut it to single digits, but the Clippers pushed it back up into the teens, and that was the ball game. So it, it feels inevitable. It feels like the Clippers are going to win. I know it's just one game and something else could feel inevitable in game four. And Chris Paul was back. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball well. Devin Booker didn't shoot the ball well. Booker, after breaking his nose in multiple places, multiple breaks, um, was wearing a kind of a, one of those plastic face masks where Rip Hamilton used to wear them. Other players have worn them, but Rip famously wore it for a long time. So uh, maybe that impacted his vision. I don't know. Chris Paul hadn't played a while. Maybe it was rusty. Maybe it was just one of those things. Uh, they combined him as 30 shots, and that is just about as poorly as those two can shoot the ball. So And, and everything went right. Everything went right for the Clippers. Paul George took a half-court shot to beat the buzzer at the end of a quarter. And, of course, he banked it in. Uh, just everything going right for the Clippers. I, I do think there are a couple things we can draw from this. One, uh, you know, they experiment. They've got... You know, they got multiple centers, they got three centers, they got three point guards, you know, who's working, who's the best. I think the point guard thing kind of sorts itself out. I think Reggie Jackson's the guy. Um, but, you know, in any situation, should they play Patrick Beverly? Should they play Ronda? They got to kind of feel that out. And then, do they want to go bigger with Zubak? Do they want to go smaller with Morris? And if they go small with Morris, is he going to hit threes? And you don't know until you put him in there. He had three bad games for, against the Jazz, but then in Game Four and Game Five, he made shots and he was a you know big difference maker. So they got to figure that out. And it just seems like the deeper they get into the series, the more they figure it out. I also think there's a psychological element to this. I think the Clippers, um, they're good, and they know they're good. And whether it's the regular season or the series, they don't really feel like they have to come out on fire. <laughs> and, and, and could they have had the best record in the NBA if they really wanted and fought for it? I think so. Um, five games, you know, can you play better and win one more game per month? Um, and certainly in these playoffs, 0-2 holes, uh, three times in a row, it speaks for itself now. So we'll see. We'll see what they can follow it up here on Saturday in Game 4 and get this series uh, back to 2-2. And we'll see if Chris Paul shoots the ball as poorly, and we'll see if um, Devin Booker shoots the ball as poorly. Maybe he adjusts to that max mask and gets going again. Um, the other news of the night, the Cubs threw a no-hitter, a combined no-hitter to beat the Dodgers. And uh, the Padre media I, I follow are all retweeting people saying, the Padres broke the Dodgers. It's weird the way these stretches have come and gone, and the Giants have largely avoided them. The Dodgers are into one. The Padres have been in them and out of them a couple times this year. So it's hard to say anything definitive, as much as we think the NBA is a marathon with 81 games, and it is. 
okay, or 82 games than it is. This year, 72. Um, but Major League Baseball has doubled that with 162 games. So, a long way to go. And I just saw a thing about how tough the Giants' schedule gets in July and August, how much the Padres' schedule lightens up. So we'll see how all of that, all that plays out. But the Cubs got the no-no. And then, hilariously, apparently the Cubs' bullpen had no idea because their view of the scoreboard, the perspective is bad, and they can't really check out the hits column. So they had no idea. They had, they had no idea. Uh, hard to believe, but apparently no clue. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Craig Bullerjack talking basketball. Joe Ingles talking basketball later in the hour. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to check in with Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, talking all things jazz and offseason and Mike Conley and where do the jazz go from here. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Smart Rain, the Smart Rain guest line. Craig Bowlerjack joins us on the Smart Rain guest line right now. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.com. Craig Bowlerjack, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Bowler, we got a tweet we got to talk about it about the future of the Jazz. Um, do you want one moment for the past of the Jazz, or is it too painful and you just like to let it go and you don't want to talk about 81 <laughs> points in the second half of Game 6? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we can do whatever you like. I've relived that multiple times. Uh you know, sitting there at the watch party thinking, hey, 25-point lead, but in the back of my mind going, still not safe. I mean, that's the crazy thing about the league, about the NBA, is um, I, I think even in these playoffs, guys, we, we've seen that no lead is safe. We've seen some miraculous comebacks, uh, one by uh, the Clippers uh, and, of course, Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I used to think 25 was a pretty good lead, a, a fairly – strong indication of victory but no more no more well i can't argue with that because it happened yeah yeah yeah, it did happen and you know it's just the power of the three uh terrence Mann, who had his 15 minutes of fame a 39 point performance just kicking threes from the corner and you know defending gobert's been criticized Trying to protect paint rim, jumping out to the perimeter when when teams like the uh, like the Clippers go small, which they did the entire series, except a little bit of Zubats, you know, sprinkled in here and there. Yeah, they 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 attacked the Jazz in multiple ways, and you know, give them credit. Uh, I like to have seen the Jazz, though. Honestly, as was I'm just looking back here for a moment, a healthy Jazz. I really would have loved to have seen what they could have done with Conley and Donovan in the backcourt. Um, you know, even against the Clippers, and uh, they could have swept maybe Memphis, but again, it was it is you know it is what it is, and the Jazz will have to make some decisions on what direction they want to go. Conley, there, I think, is right at the top of the list. I, I believe that they'll want him to stay. The price has got to be right. 
Uh, and if that's the case, and I, yeah. I believe that Conley would want to stay. I would think. You know, I, GK I kind of delved into body language a little bit. I always like to do that this time of year when they go on their exit interviews or when they were available this year. It was kind of different. You know, some talk from their kitchen like Joe did, some talk from their car uh, to the press the day after. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jazz can do financially, right? And I tell you, it's kind of an unpredictable summer because we've never uh, had to watch Ryan Smith in his ownership group make, you know, financial decisions on players, which direction they want to go. And what is Mike's worth, PK? I, that's what I don't know. Um, if and I know analytically – I'm sure there's numbers everywhere in the league, and especially the Jazz, but age would be part of the analytics. Uh, the injuries that he's occurred the last couple of years would be, would be part of that as well. And then the money that would go with that and trying to predict how many games could he actually play for the Jazz um, because this isn't going away, I don't think, the hamstring problem and the age of 34. I mean, those things just happen to players – uh, and Mike's in that 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 process right now of his career. So those are all things, I guess. I'm not, you know, they hire a lot of people to to make those decisions, and sometimes you roll the dice too. I think um, Mike's a great fit and a great leader, and he compliments, you know, what Donovan's trying to do when they're healthy. They're dynamic, but again, I think the bottom line is they have to go through the process of value for games and what the market value is and obviously there's uh, they, they've got guys who do a, a great job on deciding some of those things but also you got to roll the dice and you got to go gut and that's kind of part of the, the business that you, you look in analytics but you still have to look I think sometimes um, the gut feeling that goes along with that so there's Mike's part of the equation here and we can go round and round and debate this but does he want to stay in Utah? I take him at face value. I think he's genuine. He says he's you know he's liked his time here, likes his coach and his teammates and all that kind of stuff. Right. He wants to win a championship. That's also clear. So as he evaluates not just what rosters are now, but what he thinks rosters are going to be next year. And sometimes as a player, you got to roll the dice. You know, is this team going to acquire this guy? Is this guy going to leave and open playing time and shots for me? Or is this guy going to leave and weaken the team? And so he's mm-hmm. got to all that. But we know who the best teams are, Suns, Lakers, Clippers. You know, does he think the Warriors can be part of a rebuild there? Uh, who does he like in the East? Does he think Utah's his best chance to win a championship? And then when I throw out some of these teams, PK's like, well, he's got a young family. Is he really going to go to L.A.? You know, where game day... And if you don't have a helicopter, <laughs> it's like <laughs> game day's an all-day experience. You don't run home after right. shoot-around to see the kids after school. You know, it's not happening. It's just a different lifestyle there. So yeah, do you have any feel for what Mike wants? Because if he's willing to take less money, I think we're all pretty sure there'd be some good teams who'd be interested in him. Yeah. No, see, that's it, too. I think you have to see in his mind, if we could, what he is role, what he would be accepting of his role like Derek Favors. Once a starter, and then you come back and declare yourself, okay, I get it. Uh, I know who I am, where I am in my career, and do I want to be a backup you know, guard and take less money for it? And to your point, DJ, do I pick a team that can finally give, like a lot of the guys, right? I mean, look at, you know, uh, Blake Griffin. I mean, he, he he gets out of Detroit, says he can't jump, and the first play he's in with uh, Brooklyn, you know, he's up jamming, you know, jamming he's points dunking, down right. to the net. 
I mean, bottom line is, what's Mike's health? What's his mental state? Does he accept the role of coming off a bench, either either with the Jazz potentially um, or with another team, and understands what the payroll will be for him? Because he's coming off what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Jazz pick up two years, $64 million? Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, $32 million a year in that category. He may have had 34 this year. Maybe it bumped up uh, a couple million in the final year of his contract. So, yeah, he has decisions, too, to make, right? So do the Jazz. And can they? Can the two sides speak and be honest about what each other needs? And, you know, trying to build more, I think, depth and him running a second unit or blending with the first group and the second. I mean, all those things come into play. Or is he at a point in his career where he wants to jump and try working with LeBron and the Lakers for one final push there in L.A.? Um, and, and, again, find his best opportunity for a, for a title. Look, he's an all-star, but also the problem is he's he, the league knows he's been off-injured. And so those two don't really, you know, blend well for some GMs. But the Jazz know who he is, and he knows who the Jazz are. And I think that's the one-up that, that Utah has uh, on retaining Conley. Um, but again, it's it's going to be a tough decision. Sometimes, though, what your point is, and maybe it isn't, because young kids, young family, how easy is it just to get around in Utah? And he goes to school, if I'm not mistaken, with what, uh, Joe's kids? That's what Joe said. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a bond there. And, you know, you do think about young young children at 34 and what you're trying to do and accomplish. But at the same time, you know, you're at the, the end of your career beginning to, to, you know, see the sunset on it. So you, this may be his final contract. So he's, he's probably taking that into, into a consideration as well. But, you know, a heck of a guy. And when he's healthy, he still has a, a lot, a lot of talent on the floor, as we saw. So I'm fascinated by the Ryan Smith situation. You know, he takes over and he runs a multi-billion dollar company. So obviously he's got the high level of intelligence and he takes over and the thing's a machine. It's running on its own and you're not, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot until the off seasons. That's when you make your major moves. And so here we are. Yeah. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my question is to you, but all I know is that I'm intrigued. Me too. I mean, PK, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think, you know, we were so used to knowing, kind of predicting what the Miller family would do. They were going to always be aggressive. I think Dennis quoted multiple times in the offseason, the Millers, you know, tell me to do the best move, and if it costs a few extra bucks, do it. Now, I don't, I don't know. I'm intrigued, too. I don't know what Ryan's, you know, business – uh, operation mindset is with the Jazz. I do know that he wants to win a championship. I mean, I, I think we've seen the aggressive approach in building a base of ownership uh, that includes Dwayne Wade, which I think was a shock, but also a huge move by Ryan. And then um, what is Dwayne Wade? That's the intriguing part. How involved? We saw him sitting courtside you know, shoulder to shoulder with Ryan uh, during the playoffs and even during the regular season, and how involved is D Wade in, in some of these decisions or consulting Ryan on some of the decisions that that need to be made to win a championship? Because guess who knows how to win one? Wade. So you're right; it's intriguing. It's the first off season with uh, with Ryan and his family and the ownership group, 
and we'll see how aggressive in spending because he's got two high-level players that he already has under uh, large near multi, what do you call it, or max contracts. And to add more to that to that salary obviously pushes him closer and over uh, the luxury tax. So it's, it will be interesting to see what direction he wants to go. So I don't know if you know Clevis Murray. I've been looking him up just in the last 10 minutes because he's put out a tweet that will be of interest to Jazz fans. And he writes, he's a contributor for The Athletic, from what I can find online in a quick search here. Looks like he used to work up in the Pacific Northwest um, for a cable outlet up there. Uh, And he's got a lot of NBA tweets. Um, And the location on his account is, uh, let's see here, he's got uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts, so basically suburban Boston. Here's his tweet, Bowler. I'm told there's a disconnect in the relationship between Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder. There's been some belief Lindsay could depart from the team. Snyder signed a long-term contract extension with the Jazz in 2019. There has been no shortage of people with ties to BYU. And Ryan Smith obviously has ties to BYU. But apparently among people who are in the athletic world in Provo, uh, that Ryan is really tight with Danny Ainge, and with Brian Santiago, and one way or another, in one role or another, those two guys at some point will be involved with the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Now, to PK's point, is that this offseason? Is that next offseason? I mean, we know when Gail Miller was up there at the press conference, you know, Ryan, you're at the point we were when we bought the team. So there's a long time for this to play out. And no one has given me specific times on it, but multiple times they said these two guys are too tight with Ryan not to be involved with the Jazz at some point. Mm-hmm. So you hear you know, this tweet, and yeah. you hear whatever you hear inside the Jazz organization. And for people who don't know, Bowler used to be at KSL and used to call BYU games and still knows people at BYU. What have you heard? What do you think? What do you know? Those may not be the same things. I get that. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said is an indicator that what Ryan wants to do, it's his team. And I think we all know, right, in our experiences in mine at KSL and CBS and Fox and ESPN, when management changes, the guys who hired me, they come and go. Um, And that was really evident, you know, at CBS and Fox. And so, we always were worried about, well, the next guy comes in, brings in, quote, as we all know, PK, their guy or his guy. Or maybe, again, they have in a world that is ever-changing, uh, you know, a woman in an executive position, right? Ryan wants to be very diverse. Uh, I think that's very clear. So those conversations don't surprise me, DJ, at all. Um, he is close Uh to the BYU sports world, and it's his, it's his, it's his team, and you know I think everyone braces for change, and that is something I wouldn't be surprised happens whether it's this year as you said or next. I don't think he's a guy that owns a multi-billion-dollar company makes really snap quick decisions unless he, you know, has the information in front of him. Um, so that, again, will be, be another part of this whole puzzle, This, as PK just said, the intrigue of how he operates and who he wants in certain places and if he will make change. Uh, 
I think we just sit back and, and wait. But to your point, yes, you are correct in your assessment of his closeness of Santiago, who I remember very well in call games for when he played. And obviously, I don't know Danny Ainge, but, you know, he wants Scott to work, I don't think, full-time consulting for a team, possibly, like a Jerry West, a Pat Riley. Who knows uh, what's down the road. But um, I think probably this offseason, everyone's kind of waiting to see if change is coming at the highest of level. And if that's the case, that's going to impact decisions on players, right? Um so I think a lot, a lot. The only thing I can say is we'll probably find out together on when this thing, if anything, happens, and it may not. Uh, but again, with new ownership and getting back to PK's, you know, he didn't have a question, but he had a statement about intrigue. I'm, I, I totally agree. I can't predict what Ryan will do. I think the Millers we kind of knew well, but you know they wanted to steady as she goes. And look, Jerry Sloan was was here forever because of that steadiness, and. You know, there were times he was fearful that he was going to lose his job. and But Larry was very, boy, what would be the word? You know, he was devoted but also understood what stability meant in his company and also in, in, with the Jazz. And, uh, you know, Jerry left on his own accord. He left his way. It was surprising, but he left, you know, left that way. Uh, and we'll see how, how it plays out with the Ryan Miller ownership. You know, this could be another 30-year run of ownership. And I know, you, and again, I go back to the one thing I remember talking to him about and what he said in his press conference, is again, he wants to win a title. And he may be very aggressive in that nature. And he may do things that will he thinks will help them, you know, help the Jazz get there. And so, again, it's just one of those things that we'll wait and see what direction he goes. And it's going to be intriguing, too. I'm anxious to see how this summer plays out. Bowler, we appreciate the time, as always. Thanks for joining us. I hear Joe's up. Joe is coming up. Joe's so up. You, Joe's, Joe's up, up in about. Uh, Joe's up in about fifteen minutes. So real quick, he uh, is taking off. Is he going right to the, where are they having camp? The, uh, the Australians are they going to Paris and then to Tokyo? Uh, he said he's going to L.A. Going to L.A. Okay, all right. Well, that's where the layover is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to have a layover, a little layover. Every time you fly to Hawaii, you got to lay over for an hour and a half in L.A., right? Yeah. You Take the early morning flight, then you go get a little burrito and kill time, then you get on a plane yeah. and you fly to Hawaii. You've gone through Phoenix, actually. You can get a workout if he wants. You know? Yeah, but I fly. I don't fly charter. Well, if you fly charter, you don't go through Phoenix. If you fly charter, you go direct. Well, yeah, but I thought you were meeting Sarver in Phoenix, and then you guys were going. What do I know? You're, you, you, Craig, do you know he has a blue check mark on his Twitter? I didn't, I didn't know that until today. <laughs> DJ does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a blue check mark. You know what? I tried to, uh, to apply, and I still haven't heard anything. Yeah. I may, well, I may be denied, but DJ's climbed the ladder. Sure, sure. Of, yep, yep. Yeah, and, he, and he tries to play it. Oh, well, there's no status. So, well, then the, why have it? He's got a blue check mark on his what? Twitter oh, account. Sorry. And, and I got like fifty-two followers, and he's got a he's got a blue check mark. Jeez, he's even wearing blue today. Wow! Just throwing DJ, stuff against the wall. This is just <laughs> random association time with PK. When did when did this happen? Oh, he's he's been holding out for me for a long time, and uh, I thought more, we I thought we had a, a partnership. Jeez, more than a year. 
I feel like Kay when she found out Michael had been back in the States for a year. I just clo- slowly closed the door on him, left him out there. Wow. See, that's the beauty of you two, man. It's, it's, it's a marriage. You, know, it, you, you argue, but you still get along. And sometimes my needs aren't being met. That's right. I want a blue check mark. How dare you? How dare you? Yak is both horrified and entertained at the same time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Buller. All right, guys. See you soon. Take care. This is Craig Buller, Jack, TV voice of the jazz. When we come back, the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Ingles. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, are we getting you in Utah? Have you gone off to join the Boomers and pursue the Australian Olympic dream? And you're in L.A. or Vegas? or What's going on? Where are you? Um, I'm in Utah right now. Um going to LA tomorrow morning um, for our first little kind of mini camp um, which has been kind of rushed for me obviously because I had already told them a long time ago that I would not be at this part of it um, so yeah trying to figure out some information in, and all that leading into it uh, this last few days just to, to figure it all out because obviously um, in my mind and, and even the team um, the, the boomers say Obviously, it planned for, for me not to be there. So, um, I guess a little bit disappointing from one side that I am going, but obviously excited to get with, with the guys as well um, tomorrow and, um, yeah, kind of start that campaign of, of winning a medal. So, how are you going to handle all this stuff during the offseason with the international as far as making sure your body is getting the type of recovery and staying in shape and improving your game and all the things that you would normally do in the offseason? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be busy. <laughs> um, I actually had a nice little. Um, obviously, I'm still. Like I've said, every off-season, um, speak to coach and figure out some things that I can get better at or what, what I can work on. And um, I'm still going to have time to do those things. Um, the, the staff we have with the Boomers is, is um, a lot of different people from all over the place. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll have coaches, I'll, I'll have rebounders and stuff like that. I'll be able to get individual work in. Um, as, as well as obviously getting ready with, with the team. So, um, 
we've got a good medical team and, and fitness staff and all that. Uh, so, so I'll have I'll have enough time. Obviously, I'll be flying around a little bit here and there and travelling. Um, but I'll do whatever I have to do to make sure I'm getting my the, the right amount of lifts in, um, not only for the Olympics but for, for the, the preparation of, of next year as well and um, the right amount of recovery in. This first camp I'm going to tomorrow, I'm not going to really be doing anything. Um, more, more to be with the guys and um, this will kind of start my preparation. So I'll, I'll still lift. Um, I've been lifting all this week anyway. Um, obviously get recovery and I'll shoot a couple of times, but, but nothing too strenuous this, this next few, this next week in, in LA. And um, yeah, just make sure I'm, I'm on top of everything. Um, so that well, obviously one, I'm ready for the Olympics and, and trying to try to do my best there. And then obviously preparing for, for next season as well. So you've had a few days to let it uh, sink in, and when you look back, like where where did it go horribly wrong? What the heck happened? Uh, I mean, it's it's something we'll probably obviously look and watch over the next few months. You, you, I was talking to, to JC yesterday. It still feels like we should be preparing for a game. Like it still doesn't like kind of feel too real that we're actually out. So, um, I mean, obviously the second half of that last game was. It was, I mean, I, I can't even be bothered going into specifics or, or whatever right now. It's, it's, there's nothing changing that right now. But obviously, there's things we need to, to either work, kind of work on. Um, obviously, got to there's some key key pieces with Mike and stuff that we need to figure out what what that situation looks like, um, and then kind of figure out individually what we can all do to be better next year. What, what the, obviously the team will do what, what they what they do or what they want to do um, in terms of the roster that's obviously a little bit out of the, the player side of it control um, but all of us kind of looking at ourselves what we can do obviously we were a little bit beat up with a, a couple injuries and, and that's not an excuse or anything but that's just the the way it was and we, we played kind of reasonably well throughout the year with, with missing some guys but we obviously obviously fell short in that second half um, they, they did play unreal in that second half, so you got to give a little bit of credit to them for what they did and how they played. But obviously, we felt like we, especially the way we played in the first half, we um, obviously thought we'd, we'd have a good shot at, at winning that game. So um, I said it in my exit meeting the, the day after or whatever day it was. That for me, it was probably the toughest loss that, that we've had since I've been here um, with what we've done in the regular season and. Um, the, the first round with Memphis obviously playing a, a young kind of gritty team but we're able to get through that being up 0-2 and then um, we, we played some really good quarters and halves but, but we, we didn't really put it all together to, to win that series so um, once again you, you go, you're going back to look at yourself individually obviously the team will look at the team and, um, and we'll prepare for uh, not right now, but slowly get our minds right to, to be ready for, for the start of next year. Guys usually support other guys in their business decisions. You know, you had been, uh, took the high road sure. when, when Hayward left and all that. Now you got Mike Conley, but I think you're on record as saying, you know, you certainly want him back. And in classic Joe Engel style, I'll go back there to his mansion. So you get in a little shot, but your point is uh, taken that you'll do whatever you can do. How will you handle that as far as getting involved with Mike's decision? Yeah, 
Um, I mean, I'll be as involved as either the club wants me, or um, obviously I'm going to I'm going to speak to him anyway. I've got a, a we have a great relationship. Our, our my my daughter and his son are in the same class, and so there's there's a lot of things that connect us, um, not just on the court, but but off the court as well. So our wives are going to a, a thing tonight together. Um, so. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things. Obviously, first and foremost, just as a basketball player, that uh, I think, I mean, if if fans didn't want him back too, I would be struggling to figure out why. Uh, I think he showed, obviously, after that first year and and getting more comfortable and being a lot more healthy this year, um, what he does for our team, like the not just on the court but off the court, he's he's obviously a great teammate and all that. We don't need a dive into to all of that now but um, I think he, he, he showed what, what he does for our organisation on the court and, and obviously off so if, if they want me to be heavily involved I will if they want me to, to just kind of let them handle it obviously Ryan and, and his team um, whatever they need but I, I'm going to obviously regardless I'm going to be texting him and talking to him all summer Um like I said, our, there's a lot more connection than, than just the basketball side. So, um, obviously, I hope he comes back. Um, and, we'll, I, I, I mean, I know Ryan and the front office will, will do it from their part or what they need to do. Um, I think the other side of it, too, for, for Mike and, and just thinking in, in Mike's mind, I don't think he's ever been a free agent either. So, for him to rush, rush a decision, I, I don't see that happening. Um whether he wants to be here or not, um, I think he'd always. You guys might know more, but I think he'd always extended with Memphis before he even ever got to being a free agent. So I don't think he's ever actually been an unrestricted free agent where he can actually sit down with the team or, or two and figure out where he wants to do. Obviously, he's got a family that will take a, a part of of that decision as well, where they want to be and what they want to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we'll. We'll support him, like you said. Obviously, I hope the support is him, is him coming back here. But um, like I said, I'll do my part if I can, and, and I know the club will. And the, the rest is kind of up to him, I, I think. He did say in his uh, exit interview with the media that he had not been a free agent before. Yeah. So that, uh, that's out that's, there. I don't think it's like a like you, you're going to take meetings with other teams. I mean, I had all my meetings lined up. It's just that I met with the Jazz first and I decided to say screw it and just sign right away. I didn't. <laughs> so, like, it's not an uncommon thing for guys to, to meet with other teams. So, initially, I wouldn't be reading into that too much. Once you get into those meetings and it's a few days in, then you can kind of figure out a little bit more of what might go on. But... Um, again, it's, it's Mike's decision, it's his family's decision, and again, we obviously hope he comes back, and, and I'll do everything I can, um, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Are you looking at, with your age, being this the last opportunity to play with your national team, and if so, how much more does hell it mean? No. no, hell no, is that what you said? To, I'm, I'm playing until the wheels fall off with that one. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just something, obviously... As I get older, um, yeah, you start to think, like, will this be my last Olympics? Will it be my last time kind of being out of represent my country or, or whatever? Um, I honestly haven't thought of that. I've always... My, my 
Paddy Mills and I have had this kind of thing for, I mean, we first made the team in 2008 in Beijing. Um, this would be our fourth Olympics together. Um, obviously, we feel like we're kind of the, the, the leaders of this group and, and trying to win this medal. We, we've never won a medal at a major tournament, um, obviously that being a World Cup or, or an Olympic Games. We've been so close the last few kind of couple campaigns. And the, my mindset with the whole thing and the way I go about it is is purely to, to win a medal with, with some of my, my best friends. It's, um, it, it's something that... Over the last, like I said, couple of campaigns, we've we've had a roster and, and team that's been able to, to to achieve that. We have obviously fallen short, but I mean, I remember in 2008 in Beijing, like we we had a good team. I would never um, put any of my teams down or anything like that. But I don't know if we ever had a chance to actually win a medal. We 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 made the quarterfinals, uh, my first two Olympics, and crossed over with with, with Team USA in the quarterfinals, which is. Um, at that point, was a, a tough ask for us to do. We had, uh, I think, Bogut and Paddy were the only two NBA players we had, and the rest of us played in Australia or in Europe. So, as we've gone on, we've obviously, I mean, majority of our roster now is either NBA players or had recently been in the NBA. Um, obviously, with, like I said, what well, the last campaign, couple of campaigns, we, we believe we can win a gold medal or, or worst case scenario, a medal. So, if we don't, for us, it's a it's a failure, um, and we've obviously kind of failed these last couple of campaigns. And I know Paddy's the same as me. My whole mindset is that, like, I'm, I'm obviously if I'm, I'm healthy and able to, I'm I'm not going to give up on this opportunity until until we win a medal. So, um, if we win a medal this summer, maybe that'll be it for me. Maybe not, but um, I just love it too much. I, I the pride I have representing my country and. Um, having my family support me and it's not just as playing for ourselves or this medal it's we're, we're representing a country we're representing like I said my family um, it's something obviously I take a lot of pride in so um, I'm, I'm lucky that the Jazz have always supported me in that too and um, yeah we'll see where it takes us uh, I don't know I would, I would never put a, uh, a restraint on my, my Australian boomers career okay so the NBA draft is coming up, and there aren't a lot of international players near the top of the draft this year, but I couldn't help but notice you know, one guy who's projected as a middle-of-the-first-round guy, Josh Giddy, a guard from Adelaide, 6'8". I was wondering if you know anything about him. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, I do. I actually have... Um, so I've always been pretty open to, to obviously trying to help players or obviously more Australians, <laughs> um, but obviously helping kind of younger, that, that next kind of group coming up and for, for, for Australia, he was that guy and, and I reached out to him probably over a year ago now, just that if you ever need anything or wanted to talk or, um, and we've actually spoken more than I probably ever predicted. Whenever you give these options to, to kids, you, you never know where they'll take it and, and Josh has been unreal uh, with, with asking questions and um, I watched a ton of games. He, he played for the Adelaide 36ers, which is my hometown. Um, so I know a lot of people around that, that organization. And, and obviously my family still lives there. And um, yeah, really good kid. Really, really, really high IQ. Um, I don't want to compare him to Lonzo, but that type of like pass first point guard mentality is, is how he plays. Um, really good in pick and roll, really good passer. Like you said, I think 6'8 or whatever, like tall point guard. Um, 
still obviously some things to work on is his shooting and stuff is stuff that um, I think it's like what I've talked about is if you're not in the NBA it's, it's always harder to work on your game because you're working with like his team this year probably had 12, 15 players and they had I think they had two or three coaches so we, we've talked about that on here before that the attention to um, the time that you get to pay attention to your own game is, is tough so um he still had done a lot of that. Like I said, I, I spoke to him and tried to get him, even during his NBL season, trying to get him as prepared as possible um, just to be ready for what he's going to face here and uh, I guess trying to help him and talk to him of, of uh, how teams will play him here. Teams will go under the start. They'll force him to shoot. They'll um, yeah, Everyone gets kind of tested defensively when you first come over here. So um he's got all the right tools he 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 works his ass off he, he's an incredibly hard worker um which is a is a really good start but i think if you're coming in the nba with high iq and you you work your ass off you, you've got two things that are um that are going to translate so um yeah i'm excited for him he's actually in la right now he, i was talking to him yesterday he'll, he'll be at camp with us with the boomers and um I mean, I hope he makes the, the, the team. I don't know what that looks like with, with Ross Spots and I have to wait till I get there and, and, and get with the guys. But um, incredibly talented kid. And I'll, I mean, I'll be working out with him a little bit as of tomorrow. So I'm excited for for him and obviously for me to, to get there with him and work out. Yeah, I don't know what he's necessarily predicted to go. I think I think it was always kind of first round somewhere. I think he, he did draft uh, kind of get his stock rising a little bit with, with the way he played in the NBL this year. He had a few triple doubles and, and, and played really well. So um, I don't know what peak we have, but it'd be, if he wants to come here as a... Maybe if Mike leaves, we'll, uh, we'll get Josh Giddy. <laughs> <laughs> so your schedule obviously is going to be pretty tight. You going to have any opportunity to go home? No. Um, which absolutely sucks. Um, I... We actually just applied for an exemption for Renee again um, just recently and got denied for the third time. So, um, yeah, it obviously sucks with, with that part of it because um, I think Renee was just saying yesterday, I think it's ba- ba- basically about two years now since we've been home, which for me isn't the biggest worry. I'm used to being away and not seeing my family, but Renee is extremely close with, with her family and, and all that and her. They've never met Jack, um, who's seven months now. Um, Renee's brothers recently had twins, um, just coming up to a year now. So, just just those type of things obviously get to probably Renee more to, more than me, and it gets to me when it gets to, to Renee, uh, which which is hard. Um, we'll uh, we'll try and figure out a way. We can either try and either get some family here, but she, she'll be in Utah um, the whole time while I'm away. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough. I'll be. Obviously, LA this week, and then I come back for a few days, and then obviously away again on the fifth to go to Vegas for a couple of weeks, and then Tokyo. So, um, if you guys want to go and babysit or something, let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it sucks because yeah, yeah, I got. No you t- want to go home, you want to see your family, but um, obviously we understand I, kind of with COVID and what's going on in the world. I got no problem watching your American son. He's not American; he's Australian. 
I've got three Australian children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but it'd be good if the family could meet the future president of the United yeah. States. I mean, he's going to be rooting for the U.S. Man, he's going to he's going to bring him the gold. Oh, now you've crossed a line. It's one thing for him to be in the White House; that gets Joe to the Lincoln bedroom. But yeah, playing for the say. U.S. That's the only that's the only thing I'd support if he if he can get to uh, the president or something like that. I'll I'll support him with that. But anything else won't be done. Um, you should see. The way he lights up when I walk in the room, there's no way he'll be cheering for America. He gets, he, <laughs> okay, you realize I was only joking. <laughs> I mean, he might. It doesn't, I mean, it is what it is, right? I'll still I'll have to teach him some lessons. But, um, no, nah, we'll, we'll be here. Obviously, we're pretty comfortable here, too. Renee's comfortable. And, um, she was actually planning her, her birthday dinner, and she was like, I wouldn't – she invited, like, 20 people. She's like, I wouldn't have been able to invite 20 people a year or two ago. So, oh, nice. We've, uh, we've got a lot of friends and, and close friends here now and stuff, so it's um, – yeah, we, we enjoy it here, but obviously getting home would be, would be nice, but it won't be probably now until next offseason. So um, it's a long way away, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, we appreciate you coming on for another year. Up, oh, PK's got one more. Well, yeah, for another year, Joe. Yeah. So that's seven down. You're, you've set the record. I mean, basically, your stint with us has been longer than every Kardashian marriage. So that's very <laughs> impressive. Uh, but that's throwing JC under the bus. JC was. <laughs> well, you did, not me. Uh, are, are we? We're going to make it eight, right? Yeah, I'm down. I, I'm I'm cool. I Good. as much as I mean, it's my show anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you guys if you guys want to come on for another year and we do um, very much so. <laughs> that will be good. We'll uh, we'll get back to it. I I was just telling Jake before I'll I'll be I'll be around in the next couple of weeks anyway in America, and then we can try and do one via Tokyo internet if that works. Japan Japanese internet. I don't know how that works all over there, but if we can make it work, we will. That's good. I was just uh, I was just talking to a guy who's going to be over there for the Olympics. We'll have multiple Olympic correspondents. That'll be awesome. Oh, there you go. They can ask me some silly questions of yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. We appreciate it, and we will definitely take you up on the offer. We will we will follow the international portion of your basketball career closely. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. There is Joe Ingles talking a little NBA, talking a little Olympics, and uh, off to L.A., and then home, and then off to Vegas, and then off to Tokyo, and away they go. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Go bear with France, and um, Joe with Australia, and then we'll see if Croatia qualifies with Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, I think this is all highly scripted, though, trying to get guys rest. Joe only, you know, getting a few shots in this camp but not really going hard. Guys' bodies need downtime, and LeBron's there saying, I told you so, and look at all these injuries because all these guys play. Yeah, and the union voted for it, and now a bunch of the guys are going to go play some more internationally. So go figure. Teach their own, right? All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, all the headlines. What is trending? Stay with us.